0: broadcasting from the UNMC College of Nursing. Get ready for RN Huddle, the podcast dedicated to bringing hot topics for and by nurses to the table. Well, hello there and welcome to this week's episode of RN Huddle. This is your host, Heidi Keeler, coming to you from the great state of Nebraska. And this episode, we decided to honor the Worldwide Pressure Injury Awareness Day by inviting a very special guest and faculty of the UNMC College of Nursing, Dr. Joyce Black. Dr. Joyce Black is an internationally recognized expert in wound care and was instrumental in the creation of Pressure Injury and Prevention Guidelines. Renee is also a wound care expert, a WOCN, and interested in all things wounds. So thank you so much for being here, both of you. Let's get right to it.
1: Welcome to RN Huddle. This is Renee Collins, CWOCN, and today I have the pleasure to speak with our very own Dr. Joyce Black, a professor here at the University of Nebraska Medical Center, College of Nursing, On this special day of Worldwide Pressure Injury Prevention Awareness Day, she is well known for her many accomplishments in wound management and research and is highly valued for her wealth of knowledge related to pressure injuries. She has been a committed expert within the MPIAP Board of Directors while providing many published articles, tools, and other evidence-based resources for pressure injury prevention. And honestly, I have always thought of her as a celebrity within the wound care world. Well, welcome, Dr. Black.
2: Thanks, Renee. I I don't know that I feel like a celebrity, but that was very flattering to hear you think (laughs) of me that way. Um, I'd have to buy me coffee or something to really prove up that that's how you feel.
1: (laughs) I will definitely do that. We have you here with us today to talk about root cause analysis or RCA review processes. This systematic process is critical in all settings to obtain continuous quality improvement. But uh, before we get into it, Dr. Black, could you describe or refresh what an RCA is and what it means when it comes to pressure injuries
2: for our listeners? Oh, of course. Thank you. Yes, let's get on the same page to start with. So a root cause analysis is really what it sounds like. You're trying to figure out what the root of the problem is. So if you work in a system today and a patient or resident falls, you probably have an interdisciplinary team look at the patient and examine the situation related to the fall and figure out what changes are needed in the plan of care to prevent another one. This is the same process. We're just going to do the pressure injury problem instead of falls or medication errors or whatever. You know, it's probably most analogous to a crash site investigation, you know, where somebody comes out to figure out what wasn't an error by the airplane pilot? Was it a weather related issue? What actually caused the event that we're seeing? So you're, you're sort of familiar with the concept. I think what Renee and I were going to try to accomplish today is to get you to think about how it can be applied to the pressure injury story. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay, so with RCAs, is it something that's mandated, let's say by the Joint Commission, or is this recommendation or guidelines?
2: Yeah, that's a great question, Renee. There is no formal mandate to do this kind of work, but I do think in order to have any kind of continuous quality improvement, You have to look at your hospital acquired conditions, which of course are non payable by CMS, and try to figure out how we can reduce them. If you are working for a hospital and you are reporting your data to Magnet, you certainly would like to know that you're only reporting true pressure injuries. So, again, not mandated, but excellent practice, I believe.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And as far as I know, and and our listeners, these RCAs are initiated for pressure injuries that are acquired in the hospital or facility setting, so therefore not present on admission. So how soon after a full thickness pressure injury is discovered does the RCA review process need to begin and by whom?
2: Well, I think when it's first identified, the person who is most skilled at wound care, so if you have a certified wound nurse in your facility, or you have another member of your team that's very good at determining, number one, was this wound that was acquired in your facility a pressure injury? Because obviously, you you can't really do an RCA on another wound etiology because you had nothing to do with it. So that's step one, is to figure out what what is the wound that you're looking at, and that's best done the day the wound is discovered, because if you need to examine the patient or photograph the wound or talk to the patient and family, pretty hard to do down the road. So the first time you find it, get started with the RCA, very much like the fall evaluation, uh, you know the patient fell at 145 this morning, so we're going we're gonna to get on that pretty quickly to figure out what actually happened to that patient.
1: Mm-hmm. And just to clarify, these RCAs with pressure injuries involvement are with stage 3, 4, unstageable, and DTPIs,
2: correct? That would be where I would put my emphasis. There's no rule on this, okay. if you worked in a facility that wanted to reduce the stage ones and stage twos, there'd be no reason not to do that. That's not the more significant wound. So I would agree with you the full thickness wounds are the ones where you should spend your energy.
1: Okay. All right. And then, you know, when the staff member or the wound care nurse comes and they discover the acquired pressure injury. How should the patient and family be approached related to this acquired pressure injury? Should they be interviewed for the RCA process? How exactly should that
2: be done? Well, I think you've stumbled onto an area of practice that it's pretty diffuse. I know in my own practice, I talk to the patient, and what I really want to find out is did you feel this? Was there pain in your buttocks? Was there pain in your leg? And when did you feel that pain? Not Now, not to blame the patient, but I do ask, did you tell anybody about that pain? We had a patient not too long ago who said, oh, my heel hurt all night. And so we said, did you let the nurses know on the night shift? Oh, no, I didn't want to bother them. So it, it, it isn't excusing our actions or implying that the patient was somehow self harmful, but it does help set the timing of when did this wound start. And it also notifies the patient and family that we couldn't have done anything earlier because we didn't know about it earlier. So I do think it helps. There's a hesitation to talk to the patient and family. There's a hesitation in that it sort of exposes this thing, this pressure injury, which someone might classify as a mistake. And so there's a hesitancy there, but I don't Mm -hmm. think it should feel that way. I think you should walk into it and just ask. Um, I'm here to look at your backside. I understand you have a pressure area forming. Did you feel anything? And it, like I said, it doesn't blame the patient, but it helps identify that timeline of when it started.
1: Yeah, and that, that's a good point, that pain assessment and letting the patient know, let us know if there's any sort of pain to notify the nurse or the staff about that and then chart about it. So there's a story there um, if you ever need to come back to that. And, you know, I want to go back into, you had, you're discussing the timing. And I read your published article entitled Root Cause Analysis for Hospital Acquired Pressure Injury. And we'll have to post this for our listeners because this is a very, very valuable resource. And I highly recommend our listeners to read that article in detail. You did a really nice job with it. And what I found helpful is the table in there that shows the timing or onset of clinical manifestations for each stage of a pressure injury. And so this table is critical in the RCA review process. Can you provide an example or explain how the timing of a pressure injury can further detail
2: the cause of the pressure injury? I'd love to. This is really crucial to any RCA. The story that you want to unfold in your RCA process is when was the pressure applied to the skin and soft tissue? Where was the patient at that time? And then the absolute central question is... Could we have done anything different then? So what we're doing now is a different story. The RCA process is going back and looking at what was going on at the time. So let me give you an example. A patient has surgery. Oh, let's make it even better. The patient has a coronary bypass operation and 48 hours later, they are seen to have this bruised tissue on their butt cheeks, on both butt cheeks. And and of course, when the staff looks at that, if they're not familiar with the risk of pressure injuries during surgery, they may think the patient has fallen and they may dismiss it as a a traumatic injury. But what we know about deep tissue injury is that 48 hours lapse from the time the pressure was applied until the skin turns purple. So we find this patient two days after their coronary bypass, we've got these purple wounds on each butt cheek. Knowing the timing of deep tissue injury makes me go back into the record 48 hours ago, and I'm gonna land right in the middle of that operation. I'm literally gonna say, if we found this wound at our eight o'clock assessment on Wednesday morning, where was this patient at eight o'clock on Monday morning? You're gonna end up back in the operating room. Does that end the RCA? Not at all. What that tells you is we had a problem in this patient during surgery. So I would strongly encourage the people listening to photograph that wound and send it to the operating room staff that cared for that patient that day. Because they will then start to think about what kind of care did they provide? Were they able to look at the skin before the case? Were they able to pad the buttocks before the case? Maybe as we start to pile up cases, and let's say that we've been doing RCAs now for six months, and we have found five cases exactly the same story that all followed coronary bypass surgery. Well, now we go back to the OR and go, we got to look at this. Is there something with your mattress that's not quite right? And that's the beauty of this, is we start to look at what was happening at the time the pressure injury started, and could we have changed that process?
1: That's a really good example. And, you know, when you mention the 48 hours for a deep tissue pressure injury, that also makes me think about how many policies and procedures are strict to identify that staff need to identify pressure injuries present on admission within a 24-hour period. So, But when thinking about the process of pressure injury development and the timing that you discussed here involving 48 hours later that they now are showing signs of the DTPI, so that could be evolving during the admission and not see it. So, Therefore, the RCA process might find out that in fact, the pressure injury was present on admission, like you had said, with with the surgery.
2: You nailed it, you nailed it. That's exactly what will happen. Once you understand that deep tissue injury takes 48 hours from the time of pressure until Mm -hmm. the skin turns purple, that 48 hours, the patient may not have been in your facility. So you have just explained one of the most significant positive aspects of RCAs is looking back in time and realizing, uh, oh, that 48 hours ago, that was when this little old lady didn't come to church on Sunday morning. And when her friends came to see her, they found her on the kitchen floor. That's when the DTI started. And so she gets admitted to the hospital and processed and put up on your unit. And as you said, Renee, skin's intact on admission. Mm -hmm. And then after that time, this DTI appears. So it would look like it started during the hospitalization, when in reality it did not. Now you're right. The hospitals mostly have a policy that states you must examine the skin within a short period of time from admission. Some hospitals are four hours Some are eight, some are 24, but the government does not mandate that you determine a present on admission condition within 24 hours. There is no regulation as far as saying this was present on admission that you have to have captured it within the 24 hours following admission. In fact, CMS, the Centers for Medicaid and Medicare, state that you can put in the record this pressure injury was evolving at the time of admission and we couldn't see it but it was present on admission it was just not visible yet very important piece is going back and looking at that 48 hours and again where was that patient 48 hours ago and could have anything differently been done that's an absolutely crucial piece of this story
1: So when documenting, are you saying like if document in the medical chart or is there separate RCA documentation that that should be in separately due to the retrospective aspect of it?
2: The Um, wound nurses could certainly document that what they're examining, mm -hmm. uh, let's let's say Wednesday at one o'clock in the afternoon, you know, so being consulted to examine this patient for this deep tissue pressure injury. And right, right in their narrative note, 48 hours ago, this patient was at home on the floor, according to the family. 48 hours ago, this patient was in surgery, according to the family. The rest of the RCA tool is part of quality improvement and is not documented in the record.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, yeah, that that's very helpful. And once again, for our listeners, um, we'll have to get this article posted because that is a very crucial aspect with the timing, of the RCA process. And you know, I see this RCA process like an investigation, and kind of like what you said earlier, like a crime has almost taken place. So I can see how the RCA review can be intimidating, especially if one is being questioned of their care based on a thorough review of the medical chart during the process. So what do you recommend when documenting in terms of legalities or how should the team or facility approach this when trying to understand what exactly occurred?
2: Well, you know, I think you've uncovered probably the scariest part of doing an RCA and that is, number one, you cannot investigate yourself. So you can't be the RCA nurse investigating your own care 48 hours ago because it's very difficult to discipline yourself. So the RCA team needs to be the wound nurse who has the knowledge of was this a deep tissue injury or is this something else. And then after that they can be involved as time allows or as their system requires but it needs now to move to the administrative team who is able to look back 48 hours ago and and what you're getting at, let's, let's just put the nail on the head. Let's say we go back 48 hours ago mm-hmm. from a DTI and we find out that there is absolutely no documentation of this patient being turned during that period of time. That's, that's a piece of information that the wound nurse per se doesn't need to know, but the manager needs to know that in the event that there's a reason there's a reason that nurse didn't turn that patient. What was going on at that time on the unit? You know, Perhaps this nurse has been implicated in other pressure injury cases where this nurse didn't turn the patient as he or she should have. That becomes a managerial issue of, you know, what do we do with a poor performer? Do we educate the nurse? Do we make sure that she or he has adequate product you know, maybe, this, maybe she's got a shoulder injury from moving somebody, and we just need a better system to facilitate this move. And then from there, it really moves up to your quality and safety committee, because what they need to look at is, you know, how old are our beds? You know, maybe we're getting a whole bunch of deep tissue injuries off of a unit that we know those beds are too old, or we know those you know maintenance check those mattresses and, and they need to be replaced so eventually all this data filters up to people who look at it at a system level and that's really the beauty of RCA is it doesn't just sit in the chart with one patient but it informs the whole system of you know what you want to do with the findings
1: so speaking of the findings and you know with the legalities involved if let's say This does go through a litigation process, and um, is this something with the findings that the plaintiff attorneys are wanting access to? What exactly are they looking
2: for? Well, the plaintiff attorney is going to look at the same thing. They're Mm -hmm. going to hire an expert that will look at the story, what was happening at the time. So if the chart is completed, let's use those two examples that we were talking about a few minutes ago. So the wound nurse finds the DTI and says, 48 hours ago, this patient was in the operating room. That will direct everybody then to the operating room. And they may discover that during the case, the patient bled out and had to be massively transfused. Mm -hmm. That's going to eliminate a lot of a legal claim because an event happened during surgery That wasn't predictable and was managed, you know, to the level of the standard of care. The other case, the patient who was down on the floor at home, if the wound nurse says 48 hours ago, this patient was on the kitchen floor, the plaintiff attorney is going to get that chart, read the note, and that should be the end of that case, unless you happen to be responsible for wet linoleum floors someplace. I can't imagine where that would be. So the one that becomes the problem is the RCA that reflects back 48 hours ago and finds this nurse who didn't turn the patient, didn't do something. So there's a presumed error there. That now becomes an issue that they will only discover by filing the lawsuit. And then that nurse will be called on to explain, you know, why why didn't you turn this patient? You didn't chart that you turned the patient. So you know, did you turn the patient and not chart them, chart the turning? Is there a reason you didn't turn the patient? All of that will have to come out in the investigation of the claim. Information like that, which you would think would go into an incident report in a hospital, is not discoverable by the plaintiff attorney. That remains on the defense side.
1: Oh, okay. That makes sense. So these findings may require a correction plan amongst the system as a whole especially if there are trends. Can you elaborate or give some examples of some common action plans that usually take place?
2: Yeah, there's a there's a number of them. What you do as, you know, the mid-level manager in this story. So these are pressure injuries on your unit that have been examined by RCA. You you collect them and you start to look at you know, what are the trends? And so here's some common trends that we're seeing. We're seeing pressure injuries form from NG tubes on the nose mm-hmm. and what hospitals have done is said, well, you know what we need to do is we need to look at the person, the company that we're buying NG tubes from. We need to look at how the NG tube is held in the nose. We need to look at our process of looking at the skin where the NG tube is resting up on the edge of the nose. So when it's a medical device, the hospital system should start examining, is this a medical device that keeps causing injury hospital-wide? Well, maybe it's time to look at a new device. If this is a, a system that's finding a bunch of deep tissue injury in critical care, well, maybe it's time to look at different beds. You know, maybe the bed in critical care just doesn't have enough immersion where the patient sinks into the bed if these are pressure injuries that are fairly consistently found due to nurses not turning patients, well then do we need to look at an ergonomically better system to facilitate turning or do we need to educate the staff on what does it mean to turn the patient? Or, you know, if we got a patient in critical care and the staff says, well, this patient's too unstable to be turned, okay, then what do we do for that patient? Now, how can we move them a little bit if we can't turn them completely so you gather up these findings now obviously there might be a single case which you're not going to wait for 10 more this is an ex, this is something we need to investigate today mm-hmm. and that's fine but collecting all of them really guides your institution you know are we needing to change product are we needing to educate what are we needing to do to drive those numbers down
1: Yeah. And you know, another from my practice and from hearing others is, you know, it can become like with the education with pressure injury prevention, it's cyclical, especially, you know, you have new staff that are onboarded or when prevention is not spoken about as often. So those, you just kind of have to remember the education has to be reintroduced to make sure that you don't go back to those trends.
2: No, exactly. I, I am probably much like other human beings in that I think I heard it somewhere, but I've forgotten now what I was told. You know, I've got competing priorities and uh, mm-hmm. sometimes skin doesn't climb to the top of the pile. And yet, how do we how do we do more than one thing? You know, how do we get the nurse tech or the nurse's aides involved? And pressure injury prevention isn't owned by one discipline. There's a mm-hmm. number of people involved. And so they all need to come to the table and to figure out you know how do we reduce the numbers.
1: Yeah and something I would do is engage like you said the whole team and sometimes I, I would you know go up to the management and ask them hey we've been doing really well you know let's have a pizza party based on the success of prevention so you know just kind of trying to engage them and getting them involved very helpful as well.
2: Yeah I think you and I probably practice the same way I used to go to particularly critical care and if I saw a patient there that actually I wasn't asked to consult on, but I could tell that this patient was extremely ill and just did a routine skin check, I would compliment the staff on what they're doing right. You know, you, you kept this patient's skin intact and this patient's extremely ill. Good job, you guys. You know, whatever you did worked in this instance because it tends to be you know, you only hear the negatives and that gets pretty hard after a while. Yes,
1: yes, yes. And it's already difficult. So let's give some positives. Exactly. Well, this was a fantastic discussion and I'm sure a lot of our listeners have taken note of how to tighten up their RCA review process and their documentation. Is there anything else you would
2: like to be sure our listeners are aware of or any advice you would like to share with them? Yeah, if I could, if you are in a system that has not done an RCA for pressure injuries, I would direct you to the NPIAP website, which is the National Pressure Injury Advisory Panel. They have an RCA tool that will walk you through this step by step and give you guidance on how to develop action plans from your discoveries, um, how to look at it at a system level. So it may be something that you're simply going to mimic the process of a fall investigation or a medication error investigation, and it's fine. It's the same story. But if you're brand new to this, you might want to look at the RCA tool that NPIAP has. I think it would help fill in that gap for you of just where do you begin this process.
1: Great. Well, thank you, Dr. Black, for being a
2: guest on RN Huddle. You're welcome. This was fun. I can talk about pressure injuries all day, so. (laughs) You and me both. (laughs) Well, you have provided
1: a lot of important information and something many of our listeners can bring back to their practices. I appreciate your expertise, and it was an honor to pick your brain on this topic. I also want to remind our listeners, like Dr. Black mentioned, the MPIAP has a RCA template for facilities to use as a tool to assist with these RCA processes, collecting data, identifying gaps, initiating action plans, very helpful. So visit the MPIAP site to access this toolkit, as well as many other helpful resources, including other podcasts with MPIAP experts. Like I mentioned, it's Worldwide Pressure Injury Prevention Awareness Day, so it's up to everyone to increase the awareness, whether it be team in-services, education fairs, or simply sharing info from the NPIAP website with your colleagues. This ends our discussion today, and thank you for listening to another episode of RN Huddle.
0: Wow, thank you so much for that information. As always, it is such a pleasure to have Dr. Black with us, sharing her expertise and knowledge on this issue. We are so honored to have her as faculty here at UNMC College of Nursing. And I'm not sure if you all know this or not, but Renee is very enthralled with the idea of being able to interview our own Dr. Black just due to the fact that she is so well known across the globe as an expert in this area. Thank you so much for joining us here at RN Huddle. We are so pleased that you have chosen to share your time with us and we hope to see you back here next time on RN Huddle. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to RN Huddle. To stay connected, follow us on Twitter and Facebook at UNMC CNE or check out unmc.edu CNE for more program information.